With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Uh, it's going pretty good. Pretty good, you know, getting ready for my Cavaliers to take the, the court tonight in the NBA Finals. But and before we get to that, we've got a lot of cool stuff to talk about today in the FPS world. You say you say Cavaliers like it's your team, but you, I love the Cavaliers too. We, we can share our love for the Cavs, can't we? I mean, we can share it. I mean, how long have you been a Cavs fan? I mean, are you actually a Cavs fan? Or, I would or? say I would classify I'm a LeBron fan. Okay, I'm the I, same, basically. I'm a LeBron, so I was with the Heat. I was a Heat same. fan because of Dwayne Wade. He's from Marquette, which is a school in Wisconsin, so mm-hmm. he's always been a hometown guy. Uh, so I was a Heat fan before, and then when LeBron joined, I was even more of a Heat fan. And now I'm just a LeBron fan for the Cavs, too. So do you, I mean, do, yeah. you do you give them a reasonable shot at winning the series? So what would you say, Warriors' percentage chance at winning the series or Cavs? I mean, I think Warriors have a bigger percentage just because, I mean, they're so stacked and the Cavs are just, people outside of Kyrie and LeBron are just so inconsistent that you don't really know what you're going to get from them. So I'm putting it at probably like 60% Warriors. So it's going to take a a huge, huge series from LeBron, I think, to pull this one out. Okay, so 60% Warriors, 40% Cavs. What do you think the final ends up going to? Like five games, six games? The full seven? I think I think it'll go the full seven either way. Because okay. there's just I, the Cavs just have so much fight too that I mean even last year, you know, they got it to seven games and one with a couple of really good plays towards the end. So I think it's gonna be close. I wouldn't be surprised if this year the Warriors just kind of, you know, get really hot and end it in, in maybe six, but I think we're gonna see at least six or seven games this year. 
I'm not a betting man, but if I were to put down money, it would be that the Warriors would not sweep the finals. That's about the only thing I feel confident in is that the Warriors will not sweep. I agree with you. I think the Warriors have a better shot at winning than the Cavs. But every time I hear uh, sports media talk about it, it seems like the Cavs have no shot at winning this. And I don't I don't really agree with that. I, I seem to give them a bit more of a, a chance than most people. So I'm kind of echoing your statement. And maybe that's just because we're LeBron fans. Yeah, um, probably. I, I don't know. <laughs> it just seems like all the percentages say, oh, the Warriors are going to destroy the Cavs. I don't really think that's going to be the case. But all that being said, this is not first-person shooter talk at all. <laughs> at all. So I apologize to the esports audience that uh, thought they were going to be listening to council talk today. That's not the case. Uh, no, we're actually going to go ahead and break down. Really, I guess the biggest story came today, and it involves Overwatch, believe it or not. Unfortunately, we don't have Noah on this time. He's taking a break from Fiesta Watch talk, and that means he also is left out on Overwatch talk for uh, offensive assault. So... Why are you going to have to be the stand-in for this, it feels like? I think I can do it. I don't know if I can give the the, the great length of talk about Overwatch said no, I can, but I can fill in. Well, it's probably because I'm the best host and he's not. That's just how this thing works. But <laughs> this is kind of more in your area, uh, your and Noah's, I guess, and Fiesta Watch, but it's now breaching into our territory a little bit. So League of Legends announced today that we'll be franchising coming to the North America League of Legends uh, split. I think it's going to be starting in spring. Next year, right? 2018? Correct, yeah. 2018. Okay, so it's going to be arriving next year. We're going to see revenue sharing amongst the 10 teams. We're going to see the introduction of the Academy League. That's going to be replacing the Challenger Series. Um, nobody will be dropping out, which means more big money investments going into League of Legends, which is good news for the North American scene. Um, this comes as well with the LPL. It's going to be franchising. Korea is going to be franchising. We don't know yet if Europe will follow suit or not. It sounds like the European audience would revolt if that was the case, but I guess we'll we'll get there when we get there. Let's put that in perspective with Overwatch. When we had just talked last time about our, uh, in our Offensive Assault podcast, we were talking about how we thought it was ridiculous that Overwatch franchisers were potentially asking for $20 million. We see the buy-in now for League of Legends is $10 million. What are your immediate thoughts when we're looking at the League of Legends price compared to the Overwatch price? My immediate thought is that I, I still kind of think that that this is a little bit high, um, just because if you look at a team, you know, I forget exactly what team it was that got bought last season, um, but they got in for $1.8 million in the NALCS. So this is a pretty big jump. But then again, um, with the whole revenue sharing and just kind of more stability that we're going to be seeing, so you're not just buying a spot in the LCS for this split, you're buying basically a spot in the LCS forever. So um, with that in mind, you know, $10 million is probably about going to be market price. And I think that's is going to really affect the Overwatch League because Blizzard can't ask $20 million anymore. Like, there's there's no way. If Blizzard still tries to ask $20 million, there's literally no way that the Overwatch League is ever going to become a thing. Oh, and we already see that play out today. Kind of, it almost felt like it was in conjunction with the League of Legends announcement, but it really wasn't at all. Rise Nation ended up dropping their Overwatch team, which is one of the best ones in North America, because they there wasn't enough information out there about the Overwatch World League that, that's coming about. We just know it's there. So they ended up dropping it because there, there, there wasn't any sense of direction as to where this is going. So if League of Legends, and I think we're both in agreement that if League of Legends buying for 10 times the amount that they're currently selling for, or thereabouts, is still a good investment, what would Overwatch have to do Right now, announcement-wise, player-wise, game-wise, for them to make uh, prospective buyers feel that 20 times the initial investment of a League of Legends team 
is, is the right move. Is there anything at all? I don't think there's anything at all that you can do because if you look at the just the baseline, like this is a baseline for League of Legends, and the LCS is basically one of the most storied leagues in the esports world. They have been around the longest. They have the most ability. I mean, they're the only ones that have clear set out spring split, summer split, world championship, and all that kind of thing. You know, whereas Counter Strike, you've got um, thirty-seven events tournaments. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Call of Duty has you know they do have the World League. So they're kind of the, the right after the LCS in terms of that kind of stability. But in this world, like LCS is still the top. So if you're looking at that for $10 million with revenue sharing and all of that with no relegation, and then you're looking at a brand new league for a game that still is barely over a year old, and you're going to ask $20 million and you have literally no information put out there yet, and even there were some, uh, some reports that they weren't even going to get all the revenue back until 2020. So with things like that, if everything that we know stays the same, $20 million is just an unreasonable asking price. You said the Overwatch World League is a year old. I, no, it's 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 not made yet. Well, no, I mean, it has I mean, not happened. Game, I mean, the game itself is only over a year Oh, okay. Old. All right, all right. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah that's not, not you. That's not just you saying them. That's, that's other people. That's not people I see on my Twitter feed. Like, hey, okay, great. We're going to have League of Legends franchising and Overwatch franchising. And I'm like, hold on. We literally know absolutely nothing about the Overwatch world, yeah. and I'm I'm so excited for that because I think that's going to be a really fun game to watch and consume. I know I won't be able to play it, but watch and consume it. And we're looking at something like League of Legends that already has the stability in the most in the most sense. And now we're seeing them bring on this franchising thing, which I think you can go both ways. I actually spoke with one of our former employees, and we're kind of discussing like the negatives of this, and I can see a little bit more, but. Coming from North America perspective, coming from traditional sports um, perspective, franchising to me has always been the way to go. I mean, and that, that's really the direction that seems to be the safest and that's going to bring in more money um, from the outside, from people who are trying to invest into it. So I've always liked that direction and I, I, I'm excited that Overwatch was trying to do that and I think it's still trying to do that. But I'm very frustrated and we have been since the get-go. So this is no, yeah. it's not a position, position change at all. I'm frustrated that there's lack of information and I'm frustrated now that it almost feels like League of Legends is beating them, beating them to the punch of this whole World League thing and everything else. When in reality, League of Legends has set, has set the ground rules for what we're trying to do. And Overwatch and other leagues still can't follow suit. Call of Duty's done a great job with that. I mean, if mm-hmm. we're going to compare a new league kind of launching to one another, I think Call of Duty's been really, really great with that. There's still some things to work on. They've improved from their first Call of Duty World League until the second season of it, which is going on currently. Um... I just I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated as a fan of Overwatch the game. I'm frustrated of what this means for the pro players in particular. We're talking about really they're the little guys in this whole thing that they're kind of exactly, getting. Yeah. Um, I'll say screwed out of this. That's kind of what it feels like. And and it, to me there isn't there isn't any reason why we don't have more information out yet other than they can't get anything together. And I don't think that's the case. Exactly. So I'm just I'm struggling to comprehend why there isn't more information out there. Yeah, and that's the part I think. Just the lack of information and just the complete silence is is still really deafening. Because uh, you know, I think the next week is going to be really key. Because now that you have Riot announcing this and you have actual pricing out there, this is the time that Blizzard has to step in and say, "Hey guys, I know we've been kind of silent, but look, we have this plan. This is the pricing that we're looking for. You know, this is what the structure is going to look like. 
especially because not only that, but Riot has states on there. I mean, they have a full, today starts the, the application process. They have a full three-step application process for all the teams that are trying to get in. So they kind of, I think they did it right in waiting to even announce that they're really going to do franchising. You know, they kind of mentioned like, hey, we're thinking about doing this, so you'll hear some more soon. But, you know, they didn't make a huge fancy video package at one of the biggest conventions in the world and then go silent for the next eight months about it. So, you know, if Blizzard doesn't doesn't do anything very soon to kind of qualm the fears of people and get these teams to stop dropping their Overwatch teams, you know, I think that the league might die before it can even really start. That's that's a pretty powerful line, really, to end this this argument. But it's not really an argument. We were both on the same side. It's a pretty yeah. powerful line to end on because I agree with you. I, I will say I don't think we're going to hear from them next week. I don't think they're pre- I don't think they're prepared for this. I mean, we knew that um, the LCS and franchising was coming, that it was going to be around, but we didn't know for certain when it was going to happen. Now that it's here, I think we're going to have to see people react. Maybe it's not just going to be Overwatch League, but something like the NBA 2K League that's kind of launching. Maybe they start to to formulate some things based off of this different different sport, uh, really different kind of whole s- structure and system. But I think you're going to see a lot of different esports try to build off of now what the LCS has set for uh, the precedent as far as franchising goes. Yeah, I agree. Well, I alluded to it earlier. We were talking a little bit about the, the Call of Duty World League, and now it's in its second season. We're really starting to see the shape of the Call of Duty World League play out during the Stage 1 playoffs, which just took place last weekend. We are not joined this time by Christian Cutlick. He gave us a great preview last time on Offensive Assault. But, man, there were plenty of storylines that took shape over this four-day event here. I mean, one of the many things I think of that, I mean, this isn't even the first thing I think, but Splice winning the whole thing. This is the first time a European team has won an event on North American soil. And to me, I don't even think that's that big of a deal. So, I mean, you could call me out right on this if you want to, Wyatt. <laughs> because I know, you, I know you're kind of itching to, you being the optic fanboy and everything else besides that. I, I think that if we're, trying to disc- or if we're trying to prop up Splice for winning the first ever European event, that's also simultaneously um, taking away from what they have done now for the better part of a year in competitive Call of Duty. Europe has risen to a point where they shouldn't be, and they haven't been, the second dogs in this whole thing. I mean, they are just as competitive. They are just as equal in my mind as North American Call of Duty. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, you know, everybody, the minute they won, everyone was like, oh my God, Europe won and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, I think if, if people are looking at Splice as kind of being new contenders into the game, then they haven't really been paying close attention because Splice has been strong for a long time. Um, and, and I think even Christian said last week that Splice was probably one of the the dark horses after Optic to take it. Um, and just a quick moment of silence for the Optic community. We mourn the loss of our team in the Call of Duty World uh, Stage 1 playoffs. But, you know, we'll come back strong in Stage 2 and, and hopefully not, you know, putter out again in the at the World Championships in the fall. You're already but, puttering out about just talking about Optic gaming. <laughs> for some we're trying to talk about Splice, and you already commandeered the conversation just a minute in to go talk about I had to. Morning. I had to mention Optic. But no, no. For seriously, though, um, but Europe, Europe they're, they're a good region, and Splice is a good team. You know, they, it came down to a hell of a finals. You know, game five, uh, round 11, there isn't much more that you can ask for as far as good Call of Duty. And I think we got that all, all tournament long, all weekend long. Um, so definitely looking to see a lot from the Splice coming in the future. 
now that you know they'll be able to defend it in stage two. And I guess the question now is just are they going to be able to consistently keep this up throughout the rest of stage two? Splice has been, since the start of this new Call of Duty Infinite Warfare season, one of the best teams in the world, not Europe. Splice has been one of the best teams in the world. And this, to my, to this did not change anything for me. It's just The fact that they won is great. And I understand that it was historic. It was historic that a European team finally won a championship on North American soil. But again, to, to prop up that accolade means that you're discounting what European Call of Duty has really developed into in the last year or so. And that's where I have a little bit of frustration, a little bit of anxiety with this, is because I think that Splice has been one of the best teams. And this isn't really a debate in my mind. They took second at the Call of Duty World Championships last year. And honestly, it really wasn't that big of a surprise. They had been rising up at that point, and they really exploded onto the scene at the World Championship. To me, them taking second there is a much bigger deal to me than them taking first at the Call of Duty World League Stage 1 playoffs. That's that's a much bigger deal to me. And that announced not only that Splice was here on the scene, but that Europe and competitive Call of Duty Europe was on the scene. And that's and when we're talking about them winning this whole thing, it's taking away from really what the whole scene has done um, in competitive Call of Duty, in my mind. Tell me I'm wrong. No, no, I, mean, I, I completely agree with that. And I think that's kind of a thing that, that bothers me a lot about esports is people will kind of take these... You know, something happens or a team wins that's kind of an upset and everybody acts like, you know, this is something new. When the people have really been paying attention, like you said, they've been consistently strong for a long time. And it sucked for that team to to have such consistency over the last, you know, year and a half or however long it's been. And then kind of get knocked down of saying, oh, this is your first big win. But it's like, hey, no, we've, we've done this before. We've been here. Hi. Thank you for finally noticing right. us. Right. <laughs> so I yeah, mean, that's just kind of a gripe I think I have with the esports center uh, community in general. Is they kind of take these small, um, you know, these wins that are to the team. Yeah, it's a big win, but it's something that they're used to. But they blow it up as in, you know, oh my god, there's a new coming of Faker. You know, this kind of stuff. Right. Uh, Spice winning to me was not a big deal. That was not even a surprise in my mind. Um, I, I think they were underdogs, but that's only because Optic Gaming was so high heading into this that everyone was underdog but I, to my mind it was not a surprise at all there was a lot of other surprises though that came from mm-hmm. this and i think one of them certainly has to be luminosity gaming making it to the finals of the stage one uh global call of duty playoffs they did get to round or they did get to game five round 11 like you alluded to they ended up losing to me luminosity is one of those teams and i i kind of want to throw it to to more of a traditional sport but i can't even find an analogy they're just they're that team that's going to get hot, and when they get hot, you cannot stop them. You cannot mm-hmm. stop them. And in particular, it's Octane. When Octane is at his best, there is nothing that you can do to stop, as long as you have competent teammates. I mean, if, like, if Octane was playing with me, you, and, like, I don't know, uh, uh, my fiancé, yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> uh, Octane's team would struggle a little bit. They probably would still win one series because he's just that good. Yeah. Um, but, like... That, to me, is a bigger deal than Splice winning because I think we've now seen that this iteration of Octane's team with Luminosity can pop off, whether they can do it consistently consistently or not. And that's the part that I want to see. And frankly, I'm not really betting on that. I don't think that they'll really have this kind of impact in Stage 2, but frankly, they don't need to. They've already made a ton of money by just even being in second place of this thing. They've already got their spot in the Call of Duty World Championships in August set up. So it's like... They don't have to do that much more. Yeah, they exactly. Practice and prepare. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, they're a team that 
I don't think a lot of people were even on, you know, had them on their radar because they just were, you know, they got to the playoffs, they, they were playing well, but they were kind of at the bottom of everybody's power rankings. And then, like you said, they just got super hot. And I watched a lot of their games and they were just playing so crisp. I mean, everything was just on point. And, you know, of, you know, we keep mentioning Optic, but, you know, they took down Optic in really convincing fashion on that final day. So, I mean, to do that against a team that, you know, was playing so strong over this whole entire um, playoff season, that's not anything to scoff at. And getting second place, you know, it's only going to boost boost their confidence up. Like you said, whether or not they'll continue it into into stage two, because they are such a streaky team, and streaky teams tend to have a lot of inconsistencies. But, you know, they did well here, and we'll look for them to hopefully do well in the future. Because having more good teams is always good, because the more good teams are in the fold, the more, you know, good Call of Duty you're going to get to watch. Yeah, and it brings up the legitimacy of the things a little bit, too, I think. I, I, honestly, I, I would have probably put... Luminosity around you know six, seven, five, six, seven around for the, the, the playoff range. I mean, if, of those eight teams, they certainly weren't one of those guys that you were looking at. Again, Splice was not a surprise. Luminosity gaming making it to this to the grand finals and losing that was a bigger surprise to me. I think also a big surprise here. Um, maybe not so much that Evil Geniuses took seventh um, because I think they were probably the worst team. I'm going to put quotes around that because. You all had to make a playoff run to get here, so you're still going to be a yeah. team. But they were the worst of the eight teams. But Envious taking last place out of the playoffs, I think, is a big deal. Um, I I am a strong supporter of Envious. I on this podcast I said that they were going to do uh, pretty well. I didn't know if they were going to win, but I thought they were going to do much better than last place out of this whole thing. Uh, and I'll I'll take the beating right here. I mean, I they didn't play well at all. <laughs> I'm an absolutely huge fan of John and uh, J-Cap, honestly, and I, I thought that both kind of struggled throughout this tournament, and they've struggled They've struggled throughout this whole game, this whole game. And, and John alluded to that when we had our talk after he won the MVP at the Call of Duty World Championships, that this iteration of the game isn't always his best, so that we could see a bit of a, a dip. But I didn't think that MVs as a whole would take this kind of fall. Yeah, I mean, them as a team, you know, like you said, you talk them up a lot, and they're a team that, you know, are always kind of in the conversation just because of how strong they, they did in that run last year at Call of Duty World XP. And, you know, those players you mentioned, those are some of the juggernauts in the Call of Duty world. And for all of them to kind of struggle at the same exact time is just kind of, you know, you hate to see it because they're a good team. And coming in last, yeah, they're still, you know, one of the eight best teams in the world, but it was certainly... Uh, a disappointing performance from a team that you could almost see easily winning any tournament that they're in. But, you know, this is, it just shows that, you know, you got to be consistent in order to, to win championships in any sport, especially in esports. Not surprisingly, there's a bit of drama that came out of Envious taking eighth place. In particular, their player Slasher suggesting that Adderall is running rampant in the Call of Duty scene and that a lot of pro players are taking it and it's affecting the performance of that. I really, really don't want to touch on that that subject. Honestly. Yeah, <laughs> just, uh, that's that's an area that I really don't feel comfortable with, uh, and I guess I'd have to really think more about what I want my opinion to be. But um, the point being out of that is that there's some. I think there's some discrepancies as to what Envious can be. I think there's a little bit of undermining things that are happening right now at that organization, and I hope that um, things change around when they get into stage two. I honestly expect them to. They're not going to make a roster change yet, but Evil Geniuses has already announced they will be making a roster change. They have already dropped Study, um, who was one of the best, I think, young slayers in the game. 
he was part of this whole new Evil Geniuses team that came onto the scene with four different snipers and, and search and destroy guys from Nagafin, Nameless, Study, and then um, uh, Havoc, who is one of my personal favorites too. So but to see Study get dropped, A is a little, it's tough because he's had a really tough year as his mother passed away and everything else with that. But um, we have to kind of look at it from an outsider's perspective. And I think that any change that Evil Geniuses makes at this point has to be a good one. Now, it's rumored that they're bringing on Parasite, and I have not always been a fan of who he has been as a person, but as a player, he's been fantastic, I think, at times. And and I, I would imagine that he's going to show that his skills have not quite diminished or haven't diminished entirely. What are your thoughts on, A, study being dropped, and B, what they can do moving forward? Well, you know, I think study being dropped, it's just one of those those things where, you know, a team does bad and they just look for any sort of spark that can, can move them forward. And, you know, there have been a lot of different moves that we've seen, you know, coming out of the conclusion of the, the, of the stage one playoffs. And Foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, foreshadowing to trying to help through my complete confusion on the next thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a it, it's a move that it sucks for study because, you know, he's a good player, but I'm sure he'll get picked up somewhere else. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that, that I think you'll see for some time to come. And honestly, it, it could be a good change because when a team like that goes seventh, um, you know, sometimes they just need that spark. They just need something to just kind of change the team composition uh, maybe switch roles around, you know, maybe kind of change to who's going to be support or who's going to be your main slayer. And, you know, we'll see if this if this change helps. But definitely, I think, you know, it's it wasn't a bad move, I would think. I think it's something that they only can go up from here. I, think. I have to agree with you. I, I, I think a lot of people would have thought Evil Geniuses even making it into the playoffs is a bit of a surprise. I was not one of those people. I predicted them to make it to the playoffs. But I thought they are probably the eighth best team out of an in a group playoff stage. So this was, this was kind of bound to happen. Um, I agree with you. I think studies going to probably find a spot. And I, I honestly think that he'll find his way into the cod XP this year too, for whatever team he ends up being on. He's just one of those talents and you just, you can build around those talents. He's one of the few free agents available that I think is, is a bona fide star or future star. So I'm excited to see where he lands. I'm a little excited to see what evil geniuses does, does for team composition. And I think that if they do bring in, in fact, bring in parasite, that can make a real difference not only to Evil Genius's chances, but the scene as a whole and what could happen here. I'm not going to give you a chance, though, to talk about Optic Gaming and E United. I think that's another big surprise, but I really do want to hear from your fanboyness right now. So we're going to just move right on <laughs> to what you were foreshadowing about Enigma 6, who finished in sixth place in the playoffs. They are switching out Mr. Wee's for Royalty. Uh, that was kind of a, a move that's been rumored now for a long time. Maybe not so, so much bringing on Royalty, but uh, getting rid of Mr. Wee's. I know you're a little confused about the situation. Uh, it, is there anything in particular about this whole thing that you would like some explaining for? I mean, I think that the part that is just maybe not, maybe confusing is the wrong word. Maybe just confounded. I don't know. Just the fact that, you know, you come out, they're like, hey, we're going to get rid of Mr. Ruiz. He's, you know, going to retire. Or they say, hey, we're going to get rid of him. He says, yeah, I'm retiring. And then they come out with a statement that's like, okay, look. He said he was retiring, and this is kind of his farewell tour. Um, and then at the same time, a different team is like, hey, yeah, now Mr. Ruiz is going to be on our team. So it just, you know, I was just kind of, it was a confusing day. because like, wait, is he retired? Is he not retired? Are they keeping him? Is he playing in CWL Anaheim? You know, I, that's still murky to me. So I'm just, 
a little a little jet lag from this whole situation. <laughs> jet lag's probably a pretty good way of putting it. I don't pretend to know how the Enigma Six organization is run. Um, I don't. I don't really want to get into the specifics of it. Um, when they were, when there was rumors, and it felt actually more like rumors, it was, it was kind of confirmation that they were in fact going to switch Mr. Ruiz uh, for I think it was Priest at that point, um, but really it felt like just anybody. They just tried to get rid of anybody for him um, before the stage one playoffs. They were using his retirement, and again I put quote unquote for that because it even even in their announcement it didn't feel like retirement. It just felt like we just need a reason to get rid of him. That doesn't break the CWL Activision rules, whatever. And they squashed that. Activision squashed that. They're like, no, no, we kind of see right through this. Uh, you're going to have to play with this roster that's intended. And to Enigma 6's credit, they they did, in fact, play with that, you know, the same roster that they were supposed to play with. And really, Mr. Ruiz did pretty well. I mean, he was he did pretty well at the playoffs portion of it. Um, but then there's the statement, while the playoffs are going on, this is his last game with uh, Enigma 6 and competitive Call of Duty. Um, he's retiring, and then he's not, and then they Enigma Six has to. It almost feels like backpedaling. I'm not sure if you read the organizational statement from it. I did. I um, did. Yeah. I was, I was a little disappointed because it felt like they were blaming people for making that assumption. When in their writing, it certainly made it feel like there were some sketchy things going on with that. And they alluded to that maybe Mr. Reeves was dealing with some personal issues. And if that's the case, like I totally get it. If, if you can't. You have to commit so much time and so much energy and so much, I'm going to say, passion to playing, being a competitor uh, and competitive quality player. And if you don't have it, if you don't have that it thing that's driving you for whatever the reason, I get it. And yeah, retire, step away, do whatever else. But it felt too convenient. Um, And even in the comments and what the organization stated today with him retiring and then joining a different team, it it still felt too convenient and that they were blaming other people. And that's not something that I think you would see from Optic Gaming if this situation were to occur. I think they would have probably handled it. I'm going to say, I'm going to say that they should have handled it in more of a professional manner. Um, but the fact that they actually made statements is still a professional thing. So I give Enigma Six credit there. But it felt like this could have been handled in more of a professional manner. And I'm frankly, I expect them to in future instances like this because this is, this is going to happen. This is going to happen when esports is still new and growing. That these kinds of things are going to happen. So. I, I yeah, it is confusing. A little bit of jet lag with the whole thing. I don't think that Mr. Ruiz's team is going to do much at CWL Anaheim. I really do think that he's just kind of playing for fun, playing with his friends. And hey, if they do well, they do well. Perfect. Um, but he is certainly not retired from competitive Call of Duty. And frankly, it never felt like he was going to be retired. Okay. Well, I, I'm a little bit more, I guess, on the same page now. It's still a weird situation, but. Uh... Yeah, gotta love esports, man. <laughs> yeah, gotta love esports. That's right. Well, let's move on to CS:GO. Uh, a lot of action happening with the again thirty-seven different tournaments that occur every single weekend. It feels like in CS:GO. No, we are not going to go on to another rant about how there needs to be more structure. That's not what we're going to. We're just going to break down the action. That's all right. We're going to let Wyatt handle most of the action. I'm just going to ask some observatory questions for you. Uh, but <laughs> let's go ahead and talk about ESL Pro League Finals. Um, Three NA teams made it to the playoffs, right? Well, there's three. Well, yeah, there's three teams yeah. in the finals. Right. Um, you know, at which which is basically the playoffs, but only one of them actually got through to you know the playoffs of the finals. So only yeah. one made it through to the quarterfinals. Fanboy, it had to be Optic Gaming, right? It was not Optic Gaming. Okay, so hold on, and then it has to be like Cloud Nine. 
Nope, nope, was not Cloud9. So it wasn't your favorite team in all the land, and it wasn't the team that's not in the land in the clouds? Yeah, it was It was the Liquid team. Team Liquid <laughs> is the team that somehow managed to squeak into the playoffs, you know. And Team Liquid's CSGO team is one that they're always kind of lurking in the background. Whenever people talk about NA, you always look at Cloud9 and Optic Gaming. Um, you know, technically, SK is also in the NA region as well as Immortals, but... Because those two are Brazilian squads, they don't really technically get lumped into the the North America, you know, t- you know, gauntlet that we're looking at with Cloud9 and Optic Gaming. Um, but you know, while Cloud9 and Optic looked really strong earlier in the year, you know, Optic winning um, in e- or early last year, they won, you know, E League last year. They were in the ECS finals. Cloud9 was in the season four um, Pro League finals, playing SK. So these teams, you know, as of pretty recently, were really strong, and now they're just not. And in Optic's case, there's a lot of weirdness going on with the rosters. You know, uh, they switch players, and then now they're running with, they have a, um, a stand-in basically with Jason R. So they're really only running with four players that are on their actual team. So I guess it's kind of expected that they're going to be struggling a little bit. But Cloud Nine's been running with the same roster for quite a while. And they just look broken to me. It, it looks like their strategies are not working. Whenever they play, they just don't seem to put a, together a consistent game like a team like SK does. Of the two, Cloud9 and Optic Gaming, which one would you think needs to have a roster change more? I know you discussed that Optic Gaming is already playing with the stand-up, but they've announced that they're going to be playing with Jason R for at least the foreseeable future. So it feels like both teams kind of have... Uh, set rosters based on or compared to the fluidity that they're having before which one of the two seems to need to have a roster change more than the other i mean just looking at the performance of the of the pro league finals i feel like cloud nine's got to do something because this is a team that you know they've been playing consistently good they had some really good streaks but they were towards the bottom of their group in this i think they only won a single game out of out of five so that's definitely not a good showing at least optic almost got in there they were two and three um and they had some some pretty good teams and granted cloud nine was in a pretty stacked group but the fact that they weren't able to come away with more consistency i think is just a big problem so i don't know who they might need to get rid of but you know i I don't think they're they're not going to get rid of a player like nothing um, or even, you know, like Automatic's probably pretty safe, but I'd say, you know, Shroud or Stewie, those are guys that, that could be on the chopping block if they wanted to make some moves, you know, going into, because you've still got the ECS finals coming up, um, as well as the, the PGL majors coming up soon. So, I mean, there's a lot of really big tournaments, and we're getting into, you know, Cologne's coming up. So this is the time where they really need to be hitting on all cylinders, and I'm just not sure that they actually are. I'm not sure if you recognize this right now, um, but there is a dog barking in the background <laughs> of your whole of your whole soliloquy that was going on right there. Uh, and it just I, I props to you for being able to power through that whole conversation and not be. <laughs> it must be the headphones. That's what that's what you're working with right now. It feels like probably yeah. You know, I'm just so impassioned about my my <laughs> NA fan base that I just you know I, nothing throws me off. Nothing slows me down. Well, I, I don't know. I'm I'm thrown off by a little bit. I love I love dogs too much. Probably, I think that would be my my assertion with that. So, uh, you're going to probably have to slap some reality back into me as we keep going on with this. But G2 finally seemed to spring to life in the ESL Pro League Finals. Um, what do you think has been? What do you think has been the, the big push for their success? 
honestly, the thing that I think just took them a little bit longer is because, you know, basically D2 and NBS just swapped players earlier in the year. Um, and, and G2 became the new, you know, touted French super team. Right. Now, when they first got together, you know, they had some, some good games, but they never really got consistent results. But now that these all these players are playing together, I think they just need time. That was all they needed, and they have that time now, and they're really playing well. I mean, Kenny S is getting back to the top of the game on the op, and, you know, Everybody is just contributing consistently, and you know they made it out of the top of their group, and they moved. Well, uh, no, they weren't in the top of their group, but they won the tiebreakers to get into the uh, into the semifinals. So they're they're feeling really good, and I think they're going to be a team that is going to be a force to be reckoned with going into these finals. Well, we're talking about teams being a force to, to be reckoned with. That's been SK Gaming. I mean, for the longest time, it feels like. Um, yeah, and they. Barely managed to make it in um, to the quarterfinals. What was that? Just kind of a blip on the radar, or is there some cracks in this kind of wall building right here? Uh, I'm not sure there's cracks. I mean, granted, there were three teams that were tied um, at the end of the group stages. And I think they were in Group A, and it was the most staffed group that we've seen in quite some time, and it definitely was the most talented group at the final. So it makes sense that there was going to be, you know, a lot of evenness between these players. Are between these teams, and so they did have to win a tiebreaker, um, but they they won the tiebreaker. And once they and the thing about SK, they don't always perform at the top of their game in the group stages, but once they hit the knockout rounds, they're incredible. Because today they went up against um, Mouse Esports, and they completely dominated. You know, they the first halves of both games were pretty even. It was nine six in the first game, eight seven in Mouse's favor in the second game, but. In the second halves, they were lights out. They went 7-1 in Game 1, and they went 9-0 in Game 2 to completely just dominate on the other side and get into the, the semifinals. Would you really call that dominating, though? I mean, to me, I mean, it could be that they're just playing with their food. I mean, we've seen SK Telecom going over to League of Legends do that kind of thing where for 30 minutes they're hanging around with it, or a team's hanging around that has no business hanging around with them, and then they just flip a switch. Is that the kind of thing that happened here with SK Gaming, or... Again, because I keep thinking the poor finishes, not the poor finishes, but limping into these things might be more than just, oh, they'll get over it type of deal. Yeah, I mean, and I, with SK2, you know, they're still trying to adjust to having Phelps on the team because they also made some roster moves earlier in the year. And with Phelps being there, it adds another aggressive player. So it kind of changes the style that they have. So sometimes Phelps will push up too far by himself and get taken out and just kind of leave them at a disadvantage. But I think with when you look at, at, at Counter-Strike, well, League of Legends, yeah, you know, they can kind of hang around for 30 minutes and then finish things up in a quick five minutes. But because they're switching sides in the halves on on um, in Counter-Strike, it does add a different element to the game just because you might be slow on one side because that, you know, the CT side might be favored on a certain map or the T side might be favored. But when you slip to the other side, that's when they're strategies really come to play and that's where they really separate themselves and that's just something that sk has always been really good at doing so you know they're looking really strong going into the semifinals tomorrow or excuse me on saturday so that's going to be sk versus g2 so that's going to be a really really fun game um i'm really excited to see how that one's going to play out um and then just as we speak uh liquid and envious wrapped up with liquid actually taking a 2-1 victory over envious and moving on into the semifinals um, on the other side of the bracket. So they're, 
you know, we just talked about Liquid kind of being the only NA team, and they're still alive. And they took down Envious, who, granted, isn't one of the best teams, but they're still a strong French team. And, you know, Liquid's putting NA back on the map. Well, so who do you have for the finals, then? we got four teams left in this whole thing. Who do you think is going to win the, the, the tournament? Overall, I'm giving this one to SK because I just, it's so hard to bet against this team. And I don't think that I'm ready to start betting against them now. You know, granted, they had, they did struggle a little bit earlier on, you know, in the group stages, but I just, I'm not confident in saying that there's anybody that's going to be able to beat them just from how strong they always show up in the playoffs. Um, and yeah, you know, Liquid's going to be going up against North on the other side of the bracket. And North is a team that is also getting back into their stride, you know, after Team Envious dropped the whole team. And, you know, the same five squad they stayed together. Now they're under North. You know, they're kind of getting back into their stride. But, you know, whoever comes up against SK, I just don't see them being able to hold a candle to them because they're just too strong. Um, they have too many weapons. And, yeah, I think it's going to be... It'll be a fun series of games, but SK, I, I've got them winning this one all the way. Okay, so who do they face in the finals, and what will the series end at? Uh, I'm going to go with Liquid, just because I, I I want NA to continue to be strong. Just always fanboy. That's what you have to do here. That's what that's what I am. I'm the resident fanboy on this podcast. I have to do it. Um, so yeah, I'm going to say SK versus Liquid in the finals, and I'm going to give it a 2-0 for SK. All right. Well, you heard here on Offensive Assault why it is going fanboy route yet again and getting us all the way through with North America to the finals and losing to the Brazilian juggernauts that are not located in Brazil. All right. That, that sounds about right to me. Um, yeah, I think that does it for this version of Offensive Assault. Why? Do you have anything else to say to, to the listeners out there? Um, no, I think that's it. You know, hopefully I'm, I'm looking for some Overwatch news. Maybe next time we talk, I don't know when the next time we're going to have a podcast, but hopefully we'll have some concrete information on the Overwatch League. I guess we can't really hold our breaths, but that's what I'm hoping for the most. Here, I thought you were going to end with Go Cavs, Go LeBron. I mean, that's you. Go Cavs, Go LeBron. <laughs> go Cavs, Go LeBron. All right. That does it for us on Offensive Assault. I'm Joe Bartle. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. Why? Where can the people follow you at? They can follow me at Wyatt double underscore RW and make sure you get that double underscore. Otherwise, we're going to be tweeting some random girl that does not deserve your praise. That's right. There we go. All right. We'll talk to you again, guys. See you later. Bye-bye.